Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast. We have quite a few games to break down today as we get ready for another exciting weekend of ACC football. Eric McLean, I did want to ask you, because we're previewing a game that is happening today, Clemson and Syracuse, 7 o'clock in the Dome. First of all, you can tell me how you are, how's it going, but also, did you like playing Friday night games as a college football player? Um, first of all, I'm doing great, KG. It's another fantastic I got week. right into it. I'm sorry. You, you, I'm, no, I'm cool with that. I, I love that. Um, no, but I, I hated Friday nights. Love Thursday nights. I think Ooh. Friday Friday is special. Friday is for high school football. And uh, I, I like the Thursday night. You know, do any week but Friday because that's, that's kind of, you know, for those guys. And I think it kind of takes away a little bit from the sport when – Coaches can't get out. They, they can't go recruit. You know, none of these Clemson coaches or Syracuse uh, coaches can go to local high schools because they're playing a game. So I don't love it. I understand the TV part of it that, you know, you're the only show on the road or the only show on TV. So people are going to tune in. But yeah, I don't love it from that perspective. Okay. What about this question? And then we're going to get into all of these games. We're not just talking Clemson, Syracuse. We're talking all of them. But I think a lot of ACC fans would be curious about this. What is it like playing in the Dome? I know what it's like playing from a basketball standpoint, and it's weird. So from a football standpoint, what was that like, Mac? Well, check this out. When we went up there in uh, 2013, the basketball court was still set up. No. So that was very strange for us to see, okay, are, what are we doing here? Are we actually playing horse to win this game, or <laughs> are we going to play football? Um, but it, it's it's actually really cool. So I think they've they've made some big time – I don't think, I know – They've made some big-time improvements since we last played there. There used to be, like, no AC. Getting dressed in the locker room was miserable. You're sweating. You're trying to put on this tight clothing. It's not working out. It's it's miserable. And then the fans, they have their little keys, and they're shaking their keys at you. I guess that's a big uh, Syracuse thing there. But it was a tough environment. Uh, back in 2013 for, I think, like five minutes, and then Taj Boyd dropped, like, 550 yards, five touchdowns, maybe six touchdowns, and it got really quiet really quickly. Um, but it, it's a solid environment. I, I don't have expectations for that environment to go away uh, Friday night. I agree, Mac. And I know they've they've added air conditioning and stuff. You know, it's better. Now, I always went up there when it was the dead of winter, so you just wanted to be indoors, get your parka off. Um, we had different experiences there, Mac, for sure. But Welcome into our podcast. As we've said, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. You know, Mac, we've been trying to get to the 100 reviews. We're at 90. Come on, people. So let's anyone go. anyone listening, as we said, our September listenership was awesome. Thank you guys so much. We don't want to ask too much from you. But if you're listening right now and you feel the spirit lead, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We'd really appreciate that. We just want to get to 100. 100 looks cool. 99, eh, 100. That's what we need. I just felt like I was a preacher asking for donations. I just felt like that. <laughs> pass the plate. Kelly Kelly was just passing around the digital like review, pass the plate. And I love it. Guys, come on. Get us to 100. Just one person. That's all yeah, it takes. Just, take just one, one of you. One person can make quite the difference. Well, we've been talking about Clemson Syracuse. So why don't we just <laughs> dive in? We're going to do our big three breakdown. We're going to give our picks on three of these games. 
and then speed round for two more. There's only five games again, as some other teams have bye weeks. It seems like the middle of October is kind of bye week time for everyone. But let's start with Friday Night Lights. Clemson, three and two overall at Syracuse, three and three overall, seven o'clock tonight on ESPN. Clemson's a 13 and a half point favorite. Not sure why so many points. And, you know, this this series is known to be wild. We know what happened four years ago when Clemson went up there. These games are always, they're not always close, but they're always uncomfortable, at least for a little bit. So initially, Mac, what are you looking to see from Clemson up in the Dome? Yeah, well, that first of all, that uncomfortability there, that, that's going to be a big-time thing. And, and I think we talked about it last week. When you play Cuse, when you go up to Syracuse, it's spooky. And this is going to be a spooky game. I think for the Tigers, you know, they're coming off a bye week. So obviously health is your biggest concern, uh, but just excited to see and interested to see what does Clemson look like coming off of that bye? You know, are we going to see more cohesion from this offense? Are we going to see a rhythm? Are we going to see, you know, really guys executing at a high level? Because quite frankly, we only saw flashes of that. We only saw flashes of big playability against Boston College, against NC State, but that's what it was. It was just a flash. You know, can we see that consistency uh, moving forward? Because that's going to be a big piece. If Clemson's wanting to run the table, if they're wanting to look back at the, the season and be like, yeah, we're 10-2 and two, uh, and playing in a great bowl game, this will be a defining moment. How they respond coming off of this bye week. And, and did they go back to basics? Where's the quarterback, DJ uh, Uyunglele, at mentally? You know, I think those are all really big things that you know, are going to be interesting to see. And then lastly, for me, offensively is – you know, that starting five up front. You know, we saw uh, Rayburn get to start at center. We saw Bockhorst at right guard because of some injury. But in actuality, they played really well. And I thought that Matt looked extremely comfortable, which clearly he played guard for his entire career up to this season. And what does that look like? Do they figure a way, uh, you know, get a couple of guys back? Is, Is that the new five and put Matt back at his normal position at left guard. I think that would be very interesting for Clemson to entertain. And then on the defensive side of the ball, man, you've got to be aware of these two superstars and Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader. They were just, Kelly, when I turned the tape on and I rewatched that Wake Forest game, they were just going through guys. I mean, arm tackles galore. They were breaking them right and left and and they just, Wake couldn't bring them down. And and it was, it would have been tackles for loss, tackles in the backfield, and they just couldn't do it. So if Clemson gets that same opportunity, they've got to make the most of it. Uh, this is clearly the best defense that Syracuse has seen. Uh, and it, it wouldn't shock me, KG, if Clemson does have a big night defensively, but they've got to be careful of those two. Yeah, definitely. When you look at Tucker and Schrader, um, those two are one of the most dynamic duos on the ground in the entire country. I want to talk more about Syracuse's offense in a second. I want to go back to what you said about Bockhorst. And just ask you as a guy who you play guard as well. So what if in August, Coach Sweeney comes to you and says, hey, Mac, um, you're going to play center now. How difficult would that be for you? Like explain that to our non-offensive line minds. Well, outside of the obvious and having to snap a ball between your legs and hoping that it gets back to the quarterback, <laughs> um, you know, offensive line, especially when you're a good offensive lineman, you like to to look around. You like to see. You like to pick up tendencies. So now imagine that your head's between your legs uh, before the ball is about to be snapped and, and you don't see what's going on. And while you're down there, the defense is changing what maybe if you were up for a little bit, what you were about to do. And so I, I couldn't imagine that. This transition has, I'm sure, been very difficult for Matt 
Uh, he, he's done a, a valiant job, but I think it's very clear that guard is the best position for him. And if they're able to make that switch, that'll be great. If not, you know, Matt's going to continue to do his part and be a leader that he is for this team and, and really do what they need him to do. So it'd be very tough. Extremely difficult. <laughs> and I would not wish that on anybody unless they like chose it. Like I think Matt put his name out there and said, hey, if we need this, I can do it. But, you know, in August, third week of camp, hey, buddy, you're making this switch. I don't think anybody wants to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. No, thank you. Okay, let's talk about Syracuse offensively because under Dino, they have been a team that have won- they've wanted to go fast. They've played tempo, tempo, tempo for the last like four years. And now all of a sudden they're not doing that. Now Dino's adapted to what he has, there's no doubt. But I almost would talk about the Syracuse offense as like a modern option. I mean, they want to run the ball with Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader and that's about all they want to do, Mac. Yeah, and Roddy, you know, on Wednesday, he described it just as that. It's almost like the triple option, and I totally agree with him because it's so quarterback run-oriented. It's so run-oriented with Sean Tucker. They found some superstars in those guys, and and what's nuts is they're both listed on the roster as sophomores. So Garrett getting that extra year, I guess, honestly, Sean is is probably listed as a freshman, uh, but but there's a future here. There's something that Syracuse fans can be excited about uh, not just the rest of the season, but going into the next and maybe a year after that. So they are playing lights out that Syracuse is running the ball very effectively. Uh, I've been very impressed and and proud, to be quite frank, with this Syracuse offensive line, the movement that they've been able to get. Uh, and, and so it's, it's really been fun to see. When you look at Tucker specifically, guys, he is averaging or accounted for 40% of his team's scrimmage yards. That's the highest. That's it's nuts. It's the highest in the country. He's also number one in all purpose yards with right below a thousand. So it, it's crazy when you look at this, what he means to this team, what he's able to do. But a, as we've said time and time again, kudos to Syracuse for believing in it and saying, Hey, yeah, we got this guy. We're going to use him as long as his uh, you know legs can handle it. And it doesn't look like any signs of slowing down for Tucker. It doesn't. And if you if you had to slow down one of those guys, Mac, if you're Clemson and I'm asking you, okay, is it more important that Tucker rushes for under 100 yards or Schrader? I think your answer would be Tucker, right? If Tucker rushes for under 100 yards, Clemson probably wins by 21 plus. I mean, that's how important he is. Okay. I mean, he only had, I think he had one right. or two against Florida State. He's a workhorse guy. He for, he for sure is. And that was, you know, a little bit of maybe lightning in a bottle there with what Garrett Schrader was able to do. They were so locked in on, on Tucker that, you know, Garrett just went nuts. And surely that could happen. I mean, when you are too focused on one guy in particular, you know, that can happen. But he, he's just such a special part. I, you have to think if they're shutting him down, uh, then, then the entire offense is just stalling out. Gotcha. And, you know, we have um, the Syracuse defense, second year of the 3-3-5. They're tied for first in all of Power 5 with 23 sacks. They're going to get after the quarterback, and that's an added wrinkle that maybe people aren't paying as much attention to. Yeah, all three levels of the Syracuse defense is playing really, really well. You mentioned the sacks there. In coverage, these guys are getting their hands on the football, creating turnovers. It's been really fun to watch. And as Roddy, I keep alluding to this, but he did such a great job of the breakdown of this game. Syracuse is able to disguise what they're running very well. And they're able to do that with guys like Mikel Jones, like guys Cody Roscoe, who can move all around that defense and just make it difficult for you. You know, Mikel Jones, as I referenced, 30 or 53 total tackles, second in the ACC. 
and Cody Roscoe with six and a half sacks. That's sixth in the country. So those two are playing at a very high level, and then the quarterbacks uh, are, are just – they're locked down. So it's going to be a difficult contest for Clemson. Number one, protecting your quarterback, and then just going through the the haze that is that three three five with all those bodies in space. It's going to be interesting to see how they want to attack that game. We will pick this game in our Seaside Picks segment, but first, Matt, give me your keys, and then I will give you uh, my Kelly's key. Come on. Well, you just brought it up. You you threw the alley-oop. I went and got it. The key for Clemson is to stop Sean Tucker. He, he is truly Mr. Do-It-All, 40% of this offense. So if you remove 40%, what does that leave you? You know, what kind of product? You know, we need to get some uh, high-level IQ quarterbacks on here to do that one for me. But, you know, I, I think if they're able to do that, it's going to be a really good game for the Tigers. And then for Syracuse, it kind of goes hand-in-hand. Hand. If they're able to stop that run, your quarterback has to be able to run. You have to have success with that because then I think if you're able to do that early, KG, that just gives you an added wrinkle that, okay, Clemson, if you do focus, like we saw at Florida State, only on uh, Tucker there, our quarterback's going to be able to run it. Don't respect him. Go ahead. This guy has wheels. So it's really a one-two punch that that Clemson's going to have to do both. But the same thing with Syracuse. If they have success with that run and and with the quarterback, I guarantee they're going to go back to it early and often. I like those, Mac. My key has to do with explosive plays. And I want to give David Hale credit on this because I read this in one of his columns this week, and this stat just blew my mind. Clemson is almost dead last in the country in their explosive play rate. So on 8% of plays – Let's even round up for him, okay, Mac? One out of 10, one out of 10 plays for Clemson right now are explosive, either a 12-yard run or a 16-yard pass. Syracuse, on the flip side, is one of the best in the country at limiting explosive plays. They're only giving up, I think it's about 7.5, we'll say 8%, um, an 8% explosive play rate. So those numbers are very similar. And it, let's say if Clemson's one out of 10, if they run 60 plays, okay, you're getting six explosive plays, if Clemson can get that number over 10, I think they probably win the game. But Syracuse is out here really limiting explosive plays across the board. So look at those 12-yard runs, those 16-yard passes. Can Clemson get enough of those to be able to pull away offensively? That's my key. That, that was a lot of math with your key right there, Kelly. Um, that was a lot of math in that segment. Let's move to more football-oriented. Yes. <laughs> I agree, Mac. I agree. Just know Clemson is not explosive. Syracuse is good at limiting that. Which one will win out? That's the question. All right, our next game here, Mac, on our big three breakdown, Pittsburgh, 4-1, and one, traveling to Virginia Tech, 3-2 and two overall, 3.30 kick on ESPN2. Pitt is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Weird things happen at Lane Stadium. I think you have to give Virginia Tech a little bit of a Lane Stadium bump just because of how close those games are. They've covered the spread in their, in their games against ranked opponents at Lane Stadium this year. However, how is Virginia Tech going to recover from a heartbreaking loss and injuries to Braxton Burmeister. These are all of the factors going into this game, Mac. Yeah, you, you know, I, we were just there. I got to witness this with my own eyes, my own ears. No disrespect to Lane Stadium and those tremendous fans because they were awesome. But I think this pit train is just rolling, and I don't think it's slowing down. Kenny Pickett, this red-hot offense – Guys, they're just on a dominant run, and, and this guy is playing at a different level. He, he really is. He's seeing things uh, so much better. He's anticipating things happen. His mental clock, if pressure does come, has been electric this year to see him escape and then find a guy. Um, so I, I just 
I think this might get ugly, honestly. I, I would I'm gonna go ahead and tell you my picks. We'll talk about it again, but I'm taking Pitt heavy with the points and I'm taking the over because I think that these guys are going to be able to just keep rolling. You know, it wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, Mac or Kroll eventually be the leading receiver just because I assume, you know, Jermaine Waller is going to follow Addison everywhere he goes. As my dad likes to say, if he goes to the bathroom, you go with him. You know, he's gonna be around him all night, but um I just think Kenny's going to find a way. And I think, you know, when you look at this offensive line, they're protecting him very well. He's only been sacked eight times, which is tied for first in the conference. We just expected a game from Notre Dame VT where VT, we expected them to get after the quarterback and they were unable to do so. Now that you're playing a really good offensive line, I don't think you're going to be able to get after him as, as well. So that's what I expect to see from the offense to run the ball when they need to. That's what Pitt is sneaky being good at. When they need it, they can get it. Uh, and then defensively, you know, can we just see this pit defense get back? I mean, I've been calling for it all year. Maybe that's just the trade-off. You want great offense, you've got to sacrifice a little bit of the defense. But statistically, I mean, this should be a good game for them. Uh, you know, a quarterback, we know what we can get from Braxton when he's healthy. Uh, so you got to be careful of his legs. But if he's not, the second team guy looked like he got hurt as well. We might have a situation in our hands if we're Virginia Tech at quarterback. So Pitt, you know, I expect them to really pin their ears back and get after the QB. This this could be a get-right game for Pitt's defense, even though they looked pretty good against Georgia Tech a couple weeks ago. And here's the other thing, too. Pitt had a bye week, and Virginia Tech had the absolute opposite of a bye week. They played Notre Dame, and they got beat up everywhere. So I think that's a huge factor here. And, you know, Mac, when you talk about Waller, I think Waller is the guy that could turn this if he's able to perhaps pick off Pickett once or twice. But I don't really see a way that Virginia Tech wins this game unless they can force Kenny Pickett to, I mean, throw at least two interceptions and turn the ball over because that's the only way you're slowing down the pit offense. They're going to score. And Kenny Pickett has just been so good this year, Mac. I, I completely agree with you. It's going to take almost divine intervention. Too bad Divine oh, wow. Diablo is in the NFL. Too oh. bad he's not playing right now. Miss that guy. That misses, was well done. Misses, thank you. I tried really hard there. Um, but th th this Virginia Tech team, guys, it's just been – Frustrating to watch. And, you know, we were able to talk to some fans after the game, walking back to our cars. Just the inconsistency as a whole has been brutal. And, and honestly, I think the most frustrating part is these guys are just a couple of plays away from being 5-0 and and from possibly being, you know, top 15, maybe top 10 in the country. And so, you know, when you look at the, the, the X's and O's here, it's going to be interesting to see the quarterback situation. We just brought that up. Burmeister, you know, there were times it looked like his arm was dangling, that he wasn't able to move it. Kadem, QB2, looked like he hurt his uh, leg really badly. But then I see that both of them are allegedly going to be able to play. So I, I just don't know uh, what to expect, what they're going to look like. You know, defensively, I think this is going to be the best defense that Pitt has seen. So maybe we'll get a better gauge on, on really who they are and, and how they play. But you've got to get after Kenny. You weren't able to against a bad offensive line in Notre Dame. I'm not sure if you're going to be able to against a good offensive line in Pitt, but you have to try and you have to send pressure just to get Kenny's eyes down looking at you instead of you know going around the entire field and picking up big chunks. Is the other more disappointing thing for Virginia Tech fans, did they mention anything about Hendon Hooker to you, Mac, when you were talking with them? Because yeah, you know, he's out here balling at Tennessee. <laughs> right. I, I mean, it's super unfortunate. And I mean, Quincy Patterson as well. You had really just two guys that, that were so – instrumental and, and great at what they did um that it it just makes you question things but hey at the end of the day you made the decision that you did 
you have to be uh, be able to sleep in that bed. Give me your keys for this game, Eric McLean. Come on, if you're Pitt, you brought it up, KG. You've got to protect the ball. You've got to not turn it over. Avoid uh, Waller at all times. Jermaine Waller leads the country in interceptions. Uh, Eddie Royal and myself had a great up and personal view of a pick six that he had in Lane Stadium. So I'm not saying you you don't shy away from competition, but you know he's a guy that maybe if I see him on one you know side of the field, maybe I'm looking at middle to the other side just to look at kind of look him off there. And then for Virginia Tech. It's exactly the opposite of Pitt. You've got to force turnovers. You've got to create short offense, short fields for your offense, and just really get them extra opportunities uh, and, and really just good situations that they can get easy touchdowns in. My key in this game, Mac, I think most of the time Lane Stadium is worth, even in Vegas, I think it's it's worth three, four points, something like that, which is basically the spread here. So if Virginia Tech had looked a little better throughout the year, I think this would be a much more difficult pick. But this is a 3.30 game. It's not a night game. And you you mentioned the fans. Virginia Tech fans are loyal. But I'm not sure if they're bringing the same fervor that they brought against Notre Dame and UNC after some of these crushing um, losses. So let's see what kind of factor Lane Stadium can be. And we've seen it. We've seen it change a game. So if you guys want to do your part, if you're listening to this podcast, pack it out and make it very difficult for those guys on offense to communicate And uh, crazier things have happened, especially this year. Oh, no doubt. Okay, our final game in our Big Three breakdown, number 22, NC State, 4-1, traveling to Boston College, also 4-1. This is a 7.30 primetime game on ACC Network. Both of these teams are coming off bye weeks. NC State is a three-point favorite. Historically, this is the game NC State loses. They're ranked. They go on the road to a team that they're favored over, and they lose. Mac. Are you buying into that law of the wolf, or do you think that's just not a factor here? You know, I, I think it is going to be interesting to see how, how do these guys handle the moment. And and we saw them, you know, coming off a very high win and feeling really good about themselves, and then kind of sleepwalk into the game against La Tech. Lucky to come out with a win. You know, very fortunate to get that dub for themselves. So it's going to be interesting. Can they lock back in? Can they really have this, you know, really hold? On a, on a big victory and, and for that first place tie with Wake Forest at this time. You know, I think they've gotten over the, the biggest hill that is Clemson. And now if you can go up to Boston College, get another win here, you're feeling really good about your chances. So when you look at the progress that we've seen from Devin Leary, he has had a really solid year. He's third in passing percentage. He's fifth in TDs. And we're just seeing him get more and more confident. He, he's just playing at a very high level. So it's fun to see that. Uh, you have to see the balance, continue to see the balance with big, you know, Ricky and Zonovan in the run game. Um, you know, I think big Icky, as we've said time and time again on this podcast, the best offensive, you know, tackle in the country. He, he's playing at a very high level and really both these offensive lines. I, th- I think these are, you know, number one and number two in the conference. And maybe this is what decides the winner of this game decides who gets to take home, you know, first prize. So, you know, lean on the big uglies up front uh, and then defensively, Man, I expect a really big day from Thomas and Moore. You know, I think that when we see BC wanting to run the ball more, these guys are going to be active and they're going to be all over the field. So expect to see that really back-to-back elite defenses that Boston College is going to have to go against. You know, what kind of changes are they going to make in this game plan? For sure. And and I hate that we keep bringing up, you know, if Dracovic was playing, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not sure BC's an underdog 
if he's healthy. And Dennis Grissel did a fine job. He did a fine job against Clemson. He didn't lose the game for the Tiger or for uh, the Eagles. He didn't really make a bunch of big plays though. And I think he had Zay Flowers open four, maybe five times, and he overthrew him every time. That's something that I think could blow this game open, Mac, if they're able to connect on a few of those deep balls because Zay Flowers is going to get open. And maybe that's something they're working on in the bye week. I, you know more about bye weeks than I do, but I'm wondering if maybe Grissel was able to get more of a connection with some of his wide receivers over the bye week. Yeah, well, well, fortunate for me in our bye weeks, you know, we, we've kind of been cruising and, uh, you know, you get back healthy a little bit. I, I don't think we've had any quarterback changes or, or have to feel like, okay, we've got to get guys on the same page during our bye week. And, and so this is a little bit interesting because that's exactly what you're dealing with if you're Boston College and saying, hey, look, you know, we have to get this chemistry down. We have to feel really solid about what we're putting out there. What does that take? Does it take that extra week? Does it take time after practice throwing with my wide receivers, them understanding how I'm going to throw the ball, but also me as a quarterback understanding how they're going to run their route. And so I, I think you're absolutely right. We, we have to see that balanced attack. We have to see a passing threat from Boston College because if you, come, if you become one-dimensional against a great team and a great defense like NC State, they can shut it down, just like Clemson was able to shut down the run a couple of weeks ago. And so, you know, you've got to be able to do that. You've got to feel really good about it. Lean on that offensive line. Trust that they can protect you. Lean on them to get yards on the ground. And then defensively, this is going to be a big challenge for Boston College. You know, can they create pressure? Can they get after the quarterback in Devin Leary? Uh, we've seen a guy in Isaiah Graham Mobley, IGM, having a really huge year. I mean, I think he had a great decision to, to transfer to BC to get on a bigger stage in a bigger conference. And then the defensive back, Sebastian and DeBerry, you know, coming down with a couple of interceptions of their own. So these guys are going to be a challenge. It's going to be great matchups in between the game, everywhere you look on the field for Boston College and NC State. All three of these games in our big three are going to be excellent. And we talked about it. The five games last week, all of them were decided by 10 points or less. So we've had some exciting football. Matt, give me your keys for NC State and Boston College. Yeah, for NC State, it's, it's that vertical passing game, you know, not missing on a big post in the end zone, not connecting on a on a fade route that maybe gets you points. That's going to be important, especially in a game like this where points might be at a premium just because of both of these defenses and the things that they do. And then for Boston College, have that balanced attack. We, we just spoke about it many a times in this preview here. They have to be able to pass it to complement the run. I know we're kind of reverting back to the Boston College of old, uh, just because of situationally, but you, you have to be able to throw it and you have to get that thing going. And, and I think ultimately you'll be in a good position if you can. My key is something I mentioned a little earlier, the connection between Grissel and Zay Flowers. If they can activate that, if because Zay Flowers was open. If you watched BC Clemson, he was open four times and Grissel missed him. And probably all four of those would have been touchdowns. So you've got to find a way to make that connection. If you don't, I think BC probably loses the game, but if you can find a way to be a little more explosive, um, then maybe BC gets an upset here, Mac. There you go. You heard it here first. All right, KG, before we get to the speed round, it is time for our Seaside Grown Fresh Picks of the Week. 
Seaside Grown comes from a 120-year history of family-owned sustainable farming in South Carolina's low country. Let Seaside Grown help you get ready for your game day. Start your tailgate off right with Seaside's Bloody Mary Mix. Each jar of their award-winning Bloody Mary Mix is packed with two pounds of family-fresh grown tomatoes. And Mac, recently, the other night, Nick made some chicken. He used the peach bourbon barbecue sauce. Oh, man. It was delicious. And I also really love their salsa, too. I need to get another order of that. They have a lot of great stuff, some excellent products that our listeners need to check out. Come on, KG. Well, this is what I got to tell you guys. that There are some, some secret products, maybe I, I can call it that, that are on the horizon that all I'm going to say is the Traeger's going to be fired up and there's going to be some seats. This. Hey, this, this is breaking news right oh, here, man. right now. So guys, get excited. These products, they're, they're so fresh. They, they come straight from this farm and other farms that Seaside partners with. And it's really impressive to see the 19, as of now, that number's going to grow really soon. The 19 true field to glass products. Do yourself a favor, guys. Go to SeasideGrown.com. Browse all those products we just mentioned. Load up your cart, and when you're ready to check out, use our code ACC15 and save 15% on your entire order. I promise you, you're going to love the way it tastes when you use Seaside Grown. Oh, you will. ACC15 for 15% off on your order. Okay, Max, speaking of picking fresh tomatoes, let's pick some of our favorite college football games here. Our big three hicks. We're going to give you a straight-up pick and a spread pick if we feel so inclined. Clemson at Syracuse. Clemson is a 13.5-point favorite. What do you think, Mac? So Clemson against the spread this year, if I'm correct, KG, is Ofer, I think. Is that correct? They're 0-5 against the spread. Uh, This is the game they turn it around. This is the game that I think Clemson is is feeling a little bit better. I I think we're going to see the offense start to to figure some things out. I think the bye week is going to be really instrumental for these Tigers in, in the way that they can move forward. Uh, on top of that, I think the defense is going to play really, really well. I think they're having some guys back from injury that they feel really good about. And the attack that we will see from that Brent Venables defense, I think it's going to be too much for Syracuse. So I'm going Clemson. I'm going points and over-under. Uh, I'm a push over-under. I, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, yeah. Wow, Mac. Okay, I'm going to mark the tape. I'm going to mark it, Rich. Come on, baby. We'll see if you're right. We'll see if you're right. I think Clemson wins the game, but I think Syracuse covers. And I'm really going to think that way until proven otherwise, because Clemson has yet to cover the spread all season. And that's about a four. It's 13 and a half, 14 points. I think Clemson can play better and feel really good about itself and not cover. I I could see a 27-17, something like that, where Syracuse scores late. Um, We had Brent Axe on the radio show today. He does radio up in Syracuse. He picked a 24-21 Syracuse win. Whoa. Yeah, I know. And look, I love Brent. Brent always backs up his takes, you know? Here's the thing. Syracuse has not been able to close out a close game this year. That's where I'm a little worried about Syracuse. They can play with Clemson the whole game, but they let the Wake Forest game slip from their hands. Same thing with Florida State. So I think Syracuse covers, but I think Clemson wins again. There you go. You heard it here first. Mark the tape twice. Come on. <laughs> All right. Pittsburgh at Virginia Tech. Pitt minus four and a half. What do you think here, Mac? Uh, this one, guys, I'm going all in on Pitt. I think this team is that good. I think this offense is that good. Give me Pitt with the points. Give me Pitt outright. Give me Pitt with the over. I think this offense is going to explode. And I think they're they're going to be wanting to make a, a, a statement. I mean, this is on E2. They're going to get a little bit of that national attention uh, when they're playing this game. 
I, I think they make a statement, and I think Pitt wins big time. I'm taking Pitt. I think Pitt wins straight up. I do think Pitt covers, but I thought about Virginia Tech just because if it's in Lane Stadium, Virginia Tech's probably going to cover against a big time opponent at four and a half. If this number was a little higher, if it was Pitt minus seven, I think I would take Virginia Tech to cover. But Pitt, you win by a touchdown, you cover this easily. So I'm going to take Pitt and I'm going to take Pitt to cover. Mac, what about our third game here in our pick segment? Number 22, NC State, trying to stay ranked at Boston College. NC State's a three-point favorite on the road. Kelly, when I first saw this, I felt disrespected. I felt like I was a Boston College Eagle, and I see this number, and I say, how could you possibly do this to us? How are we not favored at home? Are you kidding me? But then I started thinking about it, and then I started putting my Wolfpack hat on, and I said, the slobber knocker, if some of you guys have seen it. The slobber knocker. Um, I think it's actually called Slobbering Wolf, but when I refer to it, it's I like the Slobber Knocker. That sounds better. Thank you. That's right. Uh, So I am going NC State here. I think when the number is this low, I think you can take them with the points. Um, And the over-under, I think that's right about. I I think I'll even go under. I think it's going to be a defensive battle. I think that NC State's defense is better. So those guys are going to ultimately be the reason that they get the dub here. Hurts my heart to say it. Those of you who know, I I am an eagle on the inside. But right now... I've got the slobber knocker wolf hat on, and I'm going with the wolf pack. Mac, you know what you just did? You picked all three road teams. Uh-oh, and it's only happened, you know, last weekend. Covering. <laughs> you have all three covering. We only just so, saw that, KG. I wonder if we could do it two in a row. Right. Will it happen again? This is such a tough game to pick. This is so tough. I, I'm picking NC State, and I'm taking NC State to cover just because I have questions about Boston College offensively, and I think I know – what NC State is going to bring offensively. But if BC wins, I'm not shocked. That This is the one game this weekend where if BC wins that thing at home, <laughs> I, I would not be shocked at all. That would make a ton of sense. But I think NC State's going to be able to get it done. And if you're going to take NC State, you might as well take them to cover. I hate it, Mac. We agreed. We agreed on all three. That's the <laughs> How worst. How boring are we? And you know what? It's How kind boring. of my fault because I, I figured you were also going with NC State. And I just thought it's just the smart pick. But as you said, it's a smart pick. I would not be shocked at zero, zero percent shocked if oh. BC pulls it out. And Honestly, the smart pick is probably Boston College. Well, you know what? I get another uh, <laughs> swing at this thing when we pick on the on TV. So maybe I'll swing it and pick. Uh, Boston oh, you're gonna College. change it I'll up. Flip okay. my picks. Hey, up. that's one way to do it. That's one way to do it. Okay, Mac. It's time for our speed round. Let's run through these two games quickly. Duke is at Virginia. Virginia has been playing well. They've been finding a way to win. It's pretty unbelievable. Uh, can they find a way to win against Duke at home? 1230 on ESPN3. UVA is an 11-point favorite. Guys, if you like offensive football, this is your game. I, I expect us to see fireworks. Over-unders at 69. I think we're going over. I think we're going over big time because here's the reason why. Virginia doesn't know how to play rush defense. Mateo Durant is like, second by a point of a yard in rushing attack. I think he is going to have a heck of a game. I think he's going to be the leading rusher after this weekend in the ACC. So that kind of tells you what I think is going to happen in the Syracuse Mm. game. And then on the other side of it, the overall defense for Duke is terrible. They're the second worst defense in the ACC. Second worst in passing yards, second worst in rushing yards. So I expect Brennan to throw for like 7,000 yards by the end of this game. So (laughs) I think he'll double his total passing total for the season. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a great time. So I think there's going to be a lot of points. I think Virginia is going to win the game ultimately. Uh, But, yeah, defense, what is it? Throw it out the window for this game. Defense optional. 
Defense optional. We'll keep an eye on UVA. If they can find a way to win, they improve to five and two. And let's see if they can keep it rolling. And then finally, Mac, kind of our sad game. This game was supposed to be really fun, but it's not. Miami at North Carolina, 330 on ACC Network. UNC is minus seven and a half. Mac, this is a Gramlet guarantee. UNC will cover. UNC will absolutely cover. I am worried about Miami. I'm worried about this locker room. We're seeing reports that guys aren't showing up to practice. De'Eric King is hurt. And then think about what happened last year. UNC absolutely shellacked Miami last year in their own building. UNC minus seven and a half is a Gramlich guarantee. I'm down with that. You know, earlier this season, we had the um, Kelly Gramlich Bowl that was called the Worst Loss Bowl. Actually, Mac, we had three because we did have the Brain Bowl with Northwestern Duke. But the Bad oh. Loss Bowl, that was Georgia Tech Pitt. Right. So this one, I'm calling this the Kleenex Bowl because there was so much expectation. There was so much excitement. And now we're in a corner if we're North Carolina. We're in a corner if we're Miami and we're sobbing and we're using our Kleenexes. Oh. So this is the Kleenex Bowl. So much expectation from both of these teams. And it, it's just, it stinks. I mean, it's recent history with the Tar Heels. We see them have a bad game. We see them have a good game. So this, they just had a bad game. So they're going to play great. And I, I think your Gramlet guarantee is in no way, shape, or form at a possibility of not happening. So congratulations on making a great pick. Uh, Sam Howe, you know, <laughs> be who you are. Be that great quarterback. You're at home. Man, just go out and ball out. And then Miami, you know, we're going to see a guy in a, you know, Tyler Van Dyke that is probably his show moving forward. So a little bit of a glimpse of the future. You know, what are we going to see? But I, I have a, a secret question here for, for you, KG. Two secret mm. questions, actually. One's an over-under and one is just a yes or no. Will the Miami defense give up 700-plus yards? Like they did last year? <laughs> like they like we just saw them do a year ago. I don't think, because you don't have those running backs. I don't think they'll give up over 700 yards. Okay. Uh, Over-under, 20 missed tackles from Miami. They have been terrible with missed tackles. I still think it's under. It, Mac, nothing can Whoa, be as bad. That would probably be a season low Nothing if can under. be as bad as last year's UNC Miami. It, it, can't, it can't be worse than that. For Miami. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm with you with the yards. I'm not with you with the tackles. I think they're going to miss 25, 30 okay. just because that's how good UNC skill players are. But guess what? You got to play the game and we will surely find out. Guys, thank you for listening. It's been another great episode of Gramlick and Mac Lane. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five star rating or write us a review. We're trying to get to big 100. We're at 99, guys. Really need your help here. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see y'all.